You guys had a nice program. It was a lot of fun to watch you guys. It was good. Um, appreciate that. So before we start, what I'm going to do is just lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you have done here at Eastern Camp, what you've been doing in our lives in the past years through COVID and through just this tumultuous world. pray that you would uh, be with us this evening as we open your word and and we talk about the things that are in there. We talk about things that matter, eternal life, and things that don't matter. But Lord, we want to praise your name, lift up your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray that many that are here that do not know you, that have not repented of their sins, placed their faith in Christ to wash their sins away, that at least by the end of this service, that they would contemplate it. And that maybe this weekend, or maybe tonight, or maybe sometime in the next few weeks, they would think on the things that were spoken here this evening. Pray this all in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think you guys like to have a lot of fun. I think that all of us, I like to have fun. I like to do the thing that enjoys, that I enjoy the most. And I'm telling you right now that there is no greater joy that I have than being a Christian. Then all the sin that's out there, all the fun things you can do, there's nothing more enjoyable to me right now than preaching as a dead man to many dead people, a dying man to many dying people. So what I'd like you guys to do, what I'm going to try to carry you through, is that the first part of my discussion, my sermon, is going to be mainly to many of you that are not converted. I looked at the statistics, roughly 20% of you according, are members of the Apostolic Christian Church. Now there are other people here that, that, that maybe believers that trust in Jesus Christ have been born again. So that number maybe is probably up, a little higher. But it's still probably in the 20, 25%. So it's kind of low. But what I'd like you to do is, for the next 30, 40 minutes, is to just listen to my arguments about why I think being a Christian is actually more enjoyable than being a worldly person that enjoys everything out there, whether it's sex, whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs, whether it's girlfriend, boyfriend, whether it's just doing those types of things. My argument is going to be that if we just rationalize it, I want you to think that right now, being a Christian is the most enjoyable, most fun thing that you can do. And for that to happen, I want you to, I want to understand that sin is fun. Sin is enjoyable. Sin is enticing because it brings right now, whatever you're doing, it makes whatever you're doing in that sinful time, it makes it so enjoyable. It makes it a lot of fun. It feels good, whatever it would be. You look good, whatever you're doing. You have enjoyment because I think all of us as rational human beings, we do the things that make and give us the greatest pleasure. 
And that's okay. But what I'm going to tell you and what I'm going to propose is the greatest pleasure, the greatest joy, even right now, even in the restrictions that I as a Christian have based on the Word of God, you might look at a Christian and say, well, Christian can't do certain things, can't think certain things, can't go to certain places, and all of that is true. But it's the best. And I'm going to share that with you. And in order to do that, I'm going to read some scriptures for you guys. Isaiah 1.18 says this. So it's going to require logic and reason. So I'm not going to try to convince you that you need to be born again. I, I believe you should. I think it's wonderful. But for some of you, if the Spirit is not calling you, if the Spirit is not touching you, if the Spirit is not drawing you at this time, then you can do nothing. You can't just turn to Christ because you feel like it, like, oh, I'm going to wake up. I think I'm going to turn to Christ today. Yeah, I think Christ's kind of cool. That's not how it works. You might think it works that way. You might think God should work it that way, but he doesn't. He says, no man comes unto the Father except the Father draw him. So God has to draw you, and he may not be drawing you now. But there are things you can do if you see the value in it. I want to show the value of it, but it's going to require some logic today. So it says, Isaiah, Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now you guys all know, we've told you a while, you've gone, most of you go to Christian churches, you know the end result of sin is death. And not just, not just death, you die in the grave. That's the result of all sin from Adam. But it's eternal damnation, and it's bad. It's horrible. It is so terrible. You know, you, if you burn yourself, that pain that you have is negligible. It's small. It's like almost nothing compared to eternal damnation. So we know that. I want you to, just to be aware of that. If we believe the Bible, and I want, you to, I want you to believe that the Bible is true. Just believe that the Bible is true. We're going to assume that for my argument. In that argument, the, the word says, he will take flaming vengeance upon all those who believe not the gospel in Thessalonians, and they shall be cast away forever from God. Horrible. It's horrible. And the problem about it is it never ends. You know, you always have relief. If you're super tired, Eastern camp, I'm exhausted now. I'm exhausted. But what I do know, when I get home to a mattress that is thicker than this, is I'm going to sleep very well. And if I don't know, if I don't, I'll sleep very well the next day. Relief is coming. In hell, there is no relief. So you're thirsty. You know, you're playing basketball. You're running. You come back and you know, when I get back home, I'm going to drink something. So you know there's relief coming. That relief that's coming makes you feel good. There's no relief coming in hell. So just, just understand, hell is horrible. Not a place you want to be for all eternity. But... In this argument that I'm making, assuming the Bible is true, that's where you will spend those who reject the gospel for all eternity. So now you're thinking, how on earth, how on earth is being a Christian, what you're doing now, Irwin, how is that so wonderful? Well, 
Here's a few reasons why. So you have the God of this universe. We're assuming that the Bible is true. It says that there is an eternal God. This is a God that created everything. So he's strong. He's infinitely strong. He's massive. He's huge. He's large. He's big. He can do anything he has. He's created this whole earth. So if he's created this whole earth and sustains it, and it doesn't even take, he doesn't have a thought about it, this means that this God is someone that can do a lot of things. So remember, you're looking for, you guys, I'm looking, just like you guys, for the highest pleasure, the highest enjoyment. For most people that are unbelievers, unregenerate, unsaved, that's sin. You enjoy it, you do something that's sinful, whatever it is, girlfriend, boyfriend, um, drugs, other stuff, just a vanity, uh, thinking of yourself like you're awesome and stuff like that. Those are all things, sin. We enjoy that. So, why is that not accurate? Why is it not true? Why is it true that this, what I'm doing right now as a believer, is the best? Okay, what was the number, number of push-ups you guys, uh, you, in your forum that you had? What was the max number that was done in 40? 48 and half a minute? Wow. Because I just test-timed myself, and I did 54 and half a minute. Okay. So now, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So, that means I'm, am I stronger than some of you guys? Huh. Okay, so, do you, I, my proposition is, I actually don't like doing push-ups. I actually can't stand doing them, but I know the future results that occur when I do push-ups. I feel better. I know I look better. I know I can run better. So what I am doing is, like all of you do, you pull the benefits in the future now to now when you're flabby a little bit and you're a little bit nasty, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to look like that, so I do something to make myself look better. So back here, how many of you guys like food from a gas station? It's good stuff, right? Powdered sugar, this type, this type of stuff. This is like like the worst stuff you could have. Ore- Oreos, right? Right? What's this? Concha, French sweetie roll. So it's a lot of this stuff, right? We'll put it here just so you guys can see. And a lot of the Kit Kats. These are some of my favorite stuff. Good stuff. You will not be getting any of this. This will go back to our pod. This is good stuff, right? Okay. So when you guys are working out, when some of you guys, I see some of you, you're kind of buff. Can't quite do as many push-ups as I can in half an hour. Half a minute, brother. Half an hour. Oh, we'll see about that, Irwin. Right now, let's go. Okay, so yeah, I can see you guys doing your, uh, what's that called? Bench pressing, right? Is that what that is? Imagine if every time you bench pressed one, you got weaker. So the more you bench pressed, the weaker you would get. Now, obnoxiously, if I asked how many would you keep doing that, I'm sure some of you would raise your hand. But almost zero of you who do that would say, yeah, I'm going to keep doing the bench pressing and the working out if I'm getting fatter. But the reason you do that 
is so you know you pull the future benefits of looking good and feeling good and being able to do things that other people can't and being healthy, maybe taking care of your body like the Bible says to do. I don't know. You pull those forward. Some of you, maybe boys and girls, if, if I would tell you that eating salad and vegetables and fruits could make you fatter and it would make you large, but if I would say, if you would eat all this stuff that's in front of me, if you would just continually eat that, I run. You'll see me tomorrow morning, Lord willing, you'll see me run. I'll be running out around 7 o'clock out into the country there, into the mountains. Not the mountains, but it's hilly. I'll be running out there, and I'll be running back around 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Why? Because I like to? No. If this, eating this and this, would get me to feel good, to be healthy, so I didn't have to be on blood pressure medicine and all the stuff, I would be eating this day and night. So in your life, what you do right now, you do because you think it's the best thing for you. So remember, so we do everything. Most of the things that you do is because you do it, because you enjoy it, because you want to do it, because it's going to be the best for you, because you've rationalized in your mind, this is what I want to do. This is fun. This is the best. So the God of this universe. So understanding that, and you're like thinking, like, what's the purpose of that? Now you're starting to see. So right now, Pastor Irwin, what you're basically saying is that you are looking for something in the future. You're looking for something that, you, that we don't see right now. There's something coming. There's something better than now. There's something coming that you are foregoing all this in the form of if this were sin. You're foregoing all this and you're bringing the future benefits forward. You're looking at something in the future. What do you know, Irwin? What, are you, what do you know that's interesting? And there are some of, you, some of you that are looking at your phones and saying, that's my highest priority. Right now, the greatest joy that I have is looking at my phone rather than listening to a proposition that, and I'm not even asking you to change your mind right now. I'm just asking that you listen and say, hmm, next week, I'm going to think about what Irwin said. So here's the God of this universe, the most massive, powerful being, the singularity that created everything, says this for those who are Christians, for those who have been born again and repented of their sins. He says this. So this is why, this is why it's very rational to be a Christian. Now, remember, right now, many of you can't just snap and say you can be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. Because you are bent towards sin. That's why I'm asking you just to think about this rationally. Right now, you can't. Many of you can't. If God's not calling you, you can't be a Christian. Yes, that's how God works. And take it up with Him when, when it's time. But that's what the Scripture says. So, what has he prepared? In 1 Corinthians 2.9 it says, I has not seen nor ear heard for what God has prepared for us, us believers. So God is basically saying through 1 Corinthians that our eyes, that we capture everything, we can't understand as believers what God has prepared for us. So the greatest joy that we have here on this earth, for me, one of, the, one of the most enjoyable things that I have, that it irritates my children to a fault, is sneezing. Why? 
And of course, when I sneeze, it's a little bit loud. I wish I could do it now to recreate the annoyance that does happen. Because all of us knows, all of us know, sneezing feels good. Sneezing feels immensely good. It is a joy. It is fun. And they tell me, stop doing it, Dad, you know, or I'll get some... And I literally, literally will never... Now, heed them. And it's okay. I'm Dad. I pay for the house in which I sneeze. I will sneeze. But in public, I do tend to uh, curb it a little bit, but not that much. So think of that. Think of other enjoyments that you have. Sleeping in. Relaxing. These are all things that we immensely enjoy, and God has given them for us to enjoy. So think of the greatest joy that is out there that you've you've encountered, whatever that would be. Heaven, eye has not seen, nor ear heard. What is prepared for us believers, for the 20 or 30% that are sitting here right now, what's prepared for you is so wonderful, it's so, so good, that when Paul went there, He came back and he said, I cannot describe it. I don't know whether he meant I cannot, meaning it's so wonderful, or I'm not allowed to. I think it's a little bit of both. It's like a caveman coming to today and looking at our cell phones and looking at machinery and stuff and trying to describe it with the limited words that he has. It's not possible. So the greatest being in the universe has prepared for me, right now, for me and for every believer, the greatest inconceivable joy and ecstasy and happiness. And I will be having it for all eternity. So now, just like when I go down and do my push-ups or I go run tomorrow morning, I don't want to do that. I don't want to run tomorrow morning. I would rather eat this all the time. But I know the end result of this. I know the end result of not doing this. And I know the end result of not running is an unhealthy lifestyle. And it's a early death, possibly. Unless I'm a cockroach and I can do whatever I want. That's not my body. So what I do is I pull forward all these things. Psalm 34.8 says, Come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. This is what He's preparing for me. That's what He's preparing for every believer. But for you, my unbeliever, he's, he has already prepared a lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even prepared for you. And he rescues, he rescued me because of Jesus Christ and what he did upon the cross. He shed his blood. He was in my place and the wrath of God was poured out on him for my sin and I received his righteousness. And what he's preparing for me, he says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. A week ago at work, uh, one, of the, one of the workers on the line said, hey, go in, in the cubicle, there's a, a bear claw. I haven't had a bear claw in years. I went and got the bear claw, saw it was like 300,000 calories, with three less zeros, 300 some calories, took a bite of it. Ah, I'm serious. It is better than, it's better than sausage. It, it, I could eat five of those. And I took a bite, walked away so she wouldn't see where I threw, and I threw the rest away. I just wanted a little bit of it taste. That joy that I have, tasting, we enjoy food. God has prepared so much more. In Psalm 1611, it says, at the pleasures, come enjoy the pleasures that are at the right hand of God. So that's what's prepared for us. Those who believe, that's what's prepared for me. 
And so what I want you to do in the next few weeks is what I would, I would just ask that in the next couple days, maybe tonight, maybe tonight you're going to have too much fun. I'd ask that you do it tonight. But right now, remember, you, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to follow God. If you're doing what you want to do, what you enjoy doing, what I would ask you to do is just at some point say, Lord, if Erwin's right, show me. Soften my heart. Call me and draw me that I would realize that he's right. So you may not do that now, but at some point I would ask that he would convict you of sin. Just say, Lord, convict me of sin. Give me this desire. Because if he's right, if Erwin's right, that what's coming in the future is so wonderful for the believer, then it's silly for me to have these relationships. It's silly for me to be fawning over myself. It's silly for me to be doing these things. It's actually irrational and stupid and incomprehensible. But right now, for many of you, for the vast majority of you, more than likely, that's all you're capable of doing. You see, it's almost like this. Conversion is so wonderful and so awesome. It's, if you were to, I heard a pastor say this once, if you were to have a pig near you and you were to have a garbage, garbage can over there full of garbage and you were to have a nice French uh, meal, a, a French meal or an Italian meal with all the, all the stuff laid out, all the food laid out. If you were to have both of them, you know where that pig would go? To the garbage. Because a pig's a pig and a pig loves garbage. And when you are converted, when you're born again, that pig, like that pig, if that pig is, if you're eating that the moment you are born again, you realize what you're eating. You realize you're eating the sewage, the garbage, and you would, you would almost vomit it out and be grossed out by it. And you would be ashamed of what you've been doing. But I would ask, so all I'm asking for you that are unbelievers, that haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, that are not born again, that want, that want nothing to do, and that are bored silly right now, and it's okay. I don't, you can't do anything else but be bored silly. You can't. That's how chaining and that's how detrimental and that's how horrific sin is. That apart from God, you can do nothing. I can do nothing. I'm no different than you. I'm not something special. I can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. So my request, my challenge to you in the next few weeks when you're by yourself or whatever, pray. Lord, if Erwin is right in all his supposition that the Bible is true, that hell is horrible, that heaven is so wonderful, that you as the infinite God have created this for me, call me God, draw me. The way that also helps is continue to come to church because that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. When you're in church, you hear the gospel and God uses preaching the silliness of preaching to convict people of their sin and to change them around from a pig to a man that desires no longer garbage, but desires true good food. So now to the Christians. To the Christians, to the 
And I would like, I would like to ask the ones that are unbelievers here, when, when and if the Lord calls you and you pray to Him and this happens and you're convicted of your sin and you turn to Him, this is going to be required of you. To the Christian here, how different are you from the world? This is what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah 1.10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. This is not speaking of Sodom. He's saying Sodom as in Israel. That's how bad they were. Give, he, give ear unto the law of your God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifice, says the Lord? I am sick of the burnt offerings. I'm full. You've, you stuffed me with these burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread in my courts? Bring, God is saying, because of their hypocrisy, because they claimed to be God's children, because they said we are, today, in today's words, this, we are Christians. I've been born again. I've been born again. I'm a new creature. So what does that mean to you? Well, maybe for some people it might be you prayed a prayer. You prayed a prayer, the Lord would come into your heart. And then that would be followed by uh, counseling. And then you were baptized. But after that, what happened? This is not just for uh, us young people. This is for the entirety of the church. But for you young people, what happens after that? Do we like the same things that the world does? You see, if we like the same things the world does, if there's no difference between us and the world, if, we don't rash, if you don't rationalize, is this something that I want to be looking at? I want to give you a real-life example, and this is just an example that I want you as believers here, as young believers, to be thinking about. There are movies that are coming out and have come out Movies that you may love, the genre that you may love. And there are scenes in that and agendas driven by culture in this world of the LGBTQ agenda. It's in these movies. If you would read the paper online or if you would go on some sort of media, you would see that many of these movies that are out there, and I love the, the Marvel movies. I love the Marvel movies. I grew up long before any of you were born when all I had was comic books to look at. And I dreamt of a day of Endgame and all these Infinity War type movies. And now Thor comes out and I would love to see Thor. Thor was love and thunder. Love to see it. But I'm not going to see it. I am not going to give Disney, the wokest company on planet Earth, a dime of my money to go see the agenda, the LGBTQ agenda. But my question is, and I'm not saying you have to do that, but are you even thinking about these things? You see, as Christians, we're supposed to be, you're supposed to be, I'm supposed to be thinking about a new way, a new path that I'm on. A new, as, a, as a Christian, are you thinking about these things? Buzz Lightyear is another one of these movies that probably many Christians thought just, oh, I'm going to go see this. I, I grew up on Toy Story, so I'm going to go see that. Are you filtering through these things as believers? Are you looking and saying, is my life different? How do I order my life as a Christian? That it is different, that it is in line with biblical principles, so that it's different from the world. 
Because being a Christian is not a one-time decision. It's not being baptized. It's not saying, I love the Lord. That's what makes me a Christian. Because if you are a Christian, your life, my life will show it. My life will be full of love. My life will be full of works. My life will, will show that sin is dissipating, going down in my life. It is going less and less. I'm going to love the things of God. Do you love the things of God? Do you look to help other people? Do you look to worship God? Do you look to take sin out in your life and run as far away from it as possible? Are the relationships, friendships that you have that are sinful, that nobody knows about, the secrets, the secret boyfriends, the secret girlfriends, the many texting, that, the amount of texting that you can do that nobody knows and nobody sees, and the inappropriateness that it can occur that nobody knows, that nobody sees. But believe you me, on a screen similar to this or a screen like this, in heaven, all of our works will be evaluated. And I think, based on the scripture, all of us are going to see it. Every one of us is going to, are going to see. You're going to see works. You're going to see the bad my works. You're going to see my work, bad works and good works. So my question to you is, do you have fruit? You have to have fruit. You have to have fruit to be a believer. And you know what Jesus used? He used a, a, a very chilling example, kind of an obvious example. And it's found in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said this. Matthew chapter 7. He said, Beware of false prophets. They come in sheep clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You see, when people look at you and they look at me, they should see, aha, he's, Christ he's a Christian. He thinks differently. He looks differently. He doesn't listen to the same music. He doesn't look at the same things online. He limits himself. He reads the word of God a lot. He goes to church. He loves the Lord. He likes to be amongst believers more than he likes to be amongst his work friends and his school friends. He likes to go to church. And the analogy that Jesus uses is very simple. He says, you, know them by, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather? Do men go to a gather th uh, grapes of thorns or of thorns or fig trees or thistles? Do men gather grapes from thorns? So I didn't, I didn't go get grapes. But what he's basically saying is, if this is a thorn bush, do I go and get oranges? Or mandarins? No. Do I go to an apple tree and expect to get a watermelon? You know, you, if I were to say, if you were to say, um, Irma, where did you get that watermelon? I'd say, I got it from a pear tree. You would look at me and say, well, why are you being silly, Irma? Why are you being stupid? Why, why are you saying stuff like that? But for some of us as Christians, we have weird fruit on us. For many of you as Christians, and many of us, as if you think of your life, you're supposed to be gathering, you're supposed to be having good fruit, you're supposed to be having fruit that is expected, that God expects. And instead, after you're born again, or after you were baptized, all you have are thorns and thistles. And so Jesus is very poignant about that. He's very concerned about it. And he says, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Or, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. You don't go to the vines on the ground and expect to see oranges. Nor do you go 
to an orange tree or mandarin tree and expect to get watermelon. So my challenge to you is it's a serious thing. Being born again, being a Christian is a serious thing. In fact, it's so serious that Jesus says this. People that call themselves Christians, this is what he says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils? And have we not done wonderful works? Listen to these types of Christians. These are Christians that you would think are magnanimous. These are marvelous Christians. They've done wonderful works, that they've cast out demons, and they've prophesied. You know what Jesus says to them? This is after they, what we appear, they entered through the narrow gate, and then they think, after I enter the narrow gate, the Bible says it's a narrow path. It's a narrow gate and a narrow path. People they enter into this narrow gate, and then they think the path is broad. I can do whatever I want. Jesus said to them, and I think when I look around us, are you casting out demons? Are you prophesying in his name? Are you doing many wonderful works? Maybe. Probably not. But maybe. I'm going to give a caveat. I'm not going to be absolute in that. Jesus said unto them, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work lawlessness or iniquity. So my challenge to those that are unconverted is just in the next couple weeks, maybe tonight if you want to, tomorrow, is pray that God would open your heart. Remember, you don't, remember right now, you don't want to do that. But just pray to him. Because if there's a God out there, and if what I'm saying is true, if the Bible's saying it's true, it's the rational thing to do. It's the rational thing to do. And if you pray to him that he would open your heart and change your mind and convert you, then if he decides, and if you have that faith that he may do that, he will call you and draw you, and then you can answer him. And then you're going to say, I get it. I get it what Erwin was saying. I now understand why he can sit here and know. Because Erwin is waiting and knowing that what's coming into heaven is as good as now. What's coming in the future, it's happening right now. Because I'm going to be living for, what, 70 years if I'm lucky, 80 years? And eternity is going to go on and on and on. Therefore, I can curb my appetite. I can curb my sin appetite. I can stop doing certain things because I know in the end what God has prepared for me is so much better than any of that. And for my converted friend, you that has been baptized, that has been born again, that has repented of your sin, if somebody asks you, how do you know you're a Christian? Please don't say, well, I was baptized or I'm a good person or I'm, I, I try to do right. If that's your answer, then look and see, according to scriptures, repent and change. Turn to him. And maybe you haven't really truly been born again. And then ask the Lord to change you. And if you're hearing this, my, my converted friend, if you're hearing this and you're convicted of sin, turn to him. Repent to him. Repent. Just like the churches were given. Every one of the bad churches in Revelation they were given as bad as they were each bad church. They did terrible things from fornication to all sorts of heinous things, idolatry, wickedness. 
God always gave them a space to repent. Father God, we, we come before you. For those who do not know you, Lord, we know they cannot turn to you unless you draw and call them. They can't just with a snap of their fingers become born again. But Lord, we pray that you would call them and draw them. That tonight, that now, that tomorrow, that in a few hours, that after inspiration hour, when they get home sometime before their last heartbeat, that you would call them and they would think back to tonight and realize the rational decision is to turn to you. But Lord, we pray that you would make the first move to them, that you would call them and draw them, convict them of their sin. We pray that they would pray sometime soon that you would awaken in them, that you would change their heart, that you would make them alive. We pray that sincerely for them because as a dying man, I'm preaching to dying people. I don't want one of them to end up in eternal damnation. And it is, it is for that reason that I try to clearly articulate what awaits the sinner, eternal damnation in hell. But Lord, we thank you so much that you took the pain, you took the punishment, you took the curse of death, you took the wrath of God for our sins. You placed, we placed our sin upon you and the wrath of God was poured out on your son. We thank you for that. What we could not bear, you did. What we could not do, you have done for us. And we thank you for that, that we could live with you forever. And Lord, for those of us that have been born again, that have been saved, that have repented of our sins, may we continually repent. May we be, may be soft to the word. When, when the word convicts us, when, we're, when we see all around us our thorns, Lord, where there should be apples, where there should be watermelon, where there should be mandarins, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would prune us and cut us back, that you would fertilize us, that, you would, that we would repent of our sin and turn to you, that we would walk the narrow way to you. For the way to hell is broad and many be there. But Lord, we pray that none in this group would go that way. We pray that this evening. In your son's name we do pray this. Amen.